Welcome to the dark forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions about our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the dark forest And dark down for a while 2023, you guys, and I'm winging it. Hi, it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the Dork Forest. That's the website, the Dork Forest, if you like a determiner. Dorkforest.com also works. JackieCation.com has all of my stand-up information. Like, it has videos, it has pictures, it has links to this podcast and to my other podcast with Lori Kilmartin. It has a merch store that has Dork Forest t-shirts. It has all of my stand-up merch and all of my CDs and DVDs. So, that's what you know about websites. There's an opportunity because uh, we're in the new year here that you can donate to the Dork Forest. I don't have a Patreon. I don't have uh, anything really set up, though I understand you can set up on PayPal a monthly if you wanted to. Uh, you could donate and uh, be of uh, to support the show. This is the 17th season, the 17th year I've been putting this stuff out. It's free, but if you have money and would like to throw me some money, boy, howdy. Uh, uh, there's a PayPal. The, uh, there is at my webs at my email address, actually, Jackie at JackieCation.com, which you can also email me and tell me how much you're enjoying the show. You can also do Venmo if you'd like, which is just Jackie Cation, no hyphen, all one word, picture of this, this person, me. And then um, I think that's it. I think I have Zell, but it's too complicated. Other than that, let's do the credits. Patrick Brady, still in, fixing the audio all these years later. Give it up to Patrick Brady. That's what a lot of your donations support, by the way, because I like to uh, share the wealth. And then um, Bill Mose, he does the websites. And Mike Rickberg wrote and sang that song composed and sang that song with his wife now, Sarah. And uh, at the end, he sings uh, the Mexican hat dance, which is always fun. Anyway, I'm sure there's more to it. There's a band camp that has a bunch. It has like a, a, a stand-up storytelling album that was never released. It's uh, There's also a, a bunch of live episodes that many of them are free. There were 200 episodes that were not pre-recorded, and I sort of culled through those, and I pulled like 17 of the best ones. There's an album collection of that, 17 Hours of Dork Forest. If you run through all of the episodes, go to bandcamp.com, Dork Forest, or Google those words and you'll find it. Anyway, there's probably more. I can't remember any of it, but you're doing great. Feel free to enjoy the show. <gasps> Jackie Cation, I'm still in my friend Liz's apartment in New York City. It's still Christmas here. <laughs> but I am talking with Shanda uh, Sung, Bloomington, Indiana comic. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. All right. Shanda Sung is spelled S-H-A-N-D-A-S-U-N-G, and that's her Instagram. And so check that out and find out what you need to know uh, about, about that. We're going to dork out, though, about roller derby, which I did one episode many years ago about roller derby. I've forgotten everything I've ever known. Um, <laughs> do you play roller derby? Um, I did. I am a retired skater now. Um how many years did you play? Did you do it for years? I played for five years. That and seems plenty long. It was long. It was. It felt short at the time, you know, when you're like, really throw your whole life into something similar sure. to comedy. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but then, yeah, looking back on it, it was like, man, that was a chunk of time I spent throwing myself on concrete. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it, right? Because it is concrete, right? It is. Yeah, largely. 
for the most part. And you're and you're wearing helmet pads, elbow helmet too, or elbow pads too? Yes, uh, helmet, mouth guard, elbow pads, wrist guards, knee pads, and um, some people will even wear padded shorts. Um, I never okay. did that. The idea is to learn how to fall on your pads, so you're not you're not doing the like old timey like flailing of the arms on the skates falling on your butt. <laughs> right. <laughs> like that hopefully you you kind of train that out of yourself so you're falling on the protected areas. Um which is good for roller derby but it's bad for when you skate without your pads because then you just fall on your knees and elbows if you fall. <laughs> right, right. It's not then you great. fall on right or in real life when you're not wearing pads. You're like, "Oh, I can, I should fall on my knees and elbows." Yeah. And you're like, "No, I'm not wearing pads. <laughs> I should fall on my ass." Yeah. Uh right. Oh, wow. That's uh what how does one how how did you get into it? How do how do you how do you get into it? Well, how do you uh, train? What do you do? Yeah, so the way I started is um a friend of mine joined and I went and watched her play and I was a hundred percent a hundred percent in, a thousand percent in. <laughs> I was like, where do I buy this stuff? I'm I'm doing it. And I had played sports you know, throughout my life, but it had been a long time. I was in college. I was really kind of, a lot of my friends had moved away and I was at kind of a loss looking for a community. And so I dove all the way in it. And the craziest thing about it is that you have to learn how to stand on your own two feet before you learn anything else, which is so unique for a sport. A team sport for sure. So So you have to learn how to skate by yourself kind of first or... They so our league started up right as I joined. We started um, a joiner thing that was um, everybody, all the brand newbies would come once a week and they would really kind of hold our hand through learning how to stop, learning how to fall. Like I said, fall safely. Um, I know we used to, when I started practicing, we were in an old gym of an old uh, elementary school. And there was one time that one of us flew off the track because we weren't good at stopping and we went out like the double doors (laughs) into the foyer area. So, yeah, it was there was another time somebody fell into a bunch of uh, folding chairs that were leaned up against a wall. Like it's it was ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So most leagues have a a joiner program, a newbie program that that teaches you when you're baby drafts. That's what we called it because you're just like. Can't just walk. a baby. Yeah. yeah. And once you get to that point of being able to skate and then being able to hold hold your own and be able to take contact, adjust your speed, do footwork, and you can and you've built the little muscles that you need to keep yourself safe, especially in your ankles. You know, okay. Because it's so easy. I saw about six people break their ankles in the time that I played. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So how do you strengthen your ankles? You do ankle circles with with your skates on. I mean, they're they're quad skates. They're heavy. You know, they're okay. they're probably between five and ten pounds. And so you would do that. And then there's just drills that you can do. A lot of footwork drills, stepping, standing on your toe stops, jumping. You have to be able to jump. There are minimal minimum requirements that you have to meet in order to be eligible for play, and that is being able to skate. Okay. So fast, being able to stop multiple different ways, being able to jump at this amount, this height, like three inches high, I think it is. And wow. Yeah. And you have to do that every year. Re- oh, every year they check with. Yeah. They, they check to make sure that you're still doing it. Yeah. Okay. So someone has started a roller derby team mm-hmm. and then you join a roller derby league. 
And then you, as the, as the person who is sort of, is, is the sort of mother of it all, right? Like mm-hmm. you're the, like, uh, I need a team. I want to yeah. play this game. Me and two, one other person have decided we're going <laughs> to, we're going to start a team. So everybody, so you joined an established team clearly, I, right? I did. Yeah. So, um, the, the terminology for it is a, is a little, um, confusing because when I, w- individual states will have, or cities will have a league. And their league is their group. And normally within a league, you will have, depending on the size of the league and the number of skaters, you will have home teams that play each other, you know? Okay. And then from those home teams, you will have your travel team. That's the best of the best of all those. And they are the ones that play against other leagues from other cities. And those travel teams, um, a lot of them are are playing under the the giant umbrella. The NFL of roller derby is called the yes. WIFTA. It's the women's flat track flat the women's flat track derby association. And WIFTA. Nice. WIFTA, yeah. And um WIFTA began and with just 20 leagues and now I looked it up they have 443 leagues that are members. In the United States, no, or the globally. world, globally, the world. There, there's a pretty big. It started in the United States when I first joined. I think there were maybe a couple Canadian teams, but right. that that was it. And then international teams started flooding in, and now there's a pretty big presence for roller derby in France, in Australia, um, in the UK. It's pretty amazing. But it's mostly sort of um, uh, European and expansion of European countries to like my there's knowledge. not a lot of south south america africa not yet um not, i think brazil has some teams i haven't i haven't looked especially closely at it i do know yeah just like, curious. yeah and i some of the teams in these other countries are very good the team from australia won the yeah. world championships and it's like who are you playing that right <laughs> that you got other this people good. <laughs> right right those home so uh but talk, so talk me through this. You go, you you buy all the stuff, and you show up to be to the babies. Yes. And you're like, um, are there like there's got to be structured? You know, even when I was in little league, we had practice once a week. Yeah. Right. Would you? Would it be once a week? Would it be more as often as you wanted? Kind of like yoga. It was. What was uh, it? <laughs> it was once a week uh, for the okay. new for the very new, and then they they would have off track workouts and other things that were optional. Um, but then as you got better and better, you were constantly being evaluated by the the league's athletic committee, which involved the the practice coaches and then also the game day coaches, um, okay. th- which are called the bench coaches. They're the ones who call plays, put the certain people out on the track at the time. And then there are practice coaches who are also usually skaters. They're they're skater coaches. Right, right. And so once you once they're looking at you and they're like, okay, that one seems ready. We'll we'll move them up, possibly to a home team uh, in okay. a larger league. Now, when I joined, we didn't have home teams. We had our travel team, and then we had our B team, which would play other teams. You know, the JV essentially. Oh, but it was sort of like home teams because you were playing other. Yeah, yeah. We, we would play other cities just like our A-team. Like, typically, we would travel okay. to other cities and we would play a doubleheader, the B-teams against the A-teams. But we okay. ju- we just didn't have that that at-home component because we weren't big enough. 
Right, uh, right. Other cities would have home teams that would play each other. But we just, I mean, we're Bloomington, Indiana. We were pretty small league. Right, you right. Know, we had, I think we had 40, 50 skaters typically. Wow, that's kind of a lot though, because how many, how many do you field? Um, so uh, on game day, you'll you'll bring usually the A team. We've got about 20, 20 skaters, okay. and they will rotate in and out. Um, I, I would say 40, 50 would include like our newbie, our newbie coalition, and then okay. people um, who didn't skate full time. Um, that was probably at our biggest would be 40, 50. But yeah, so each team there were usually about 20 people that were full-time on the, on either the A team or the B team, 20 people so each. You, right. So you, so when, so if your team has 20 people and they have 20 people, mm-hmm. how many people are on the track? At, okay. So to, to go with like actually how to play the game, I don't know yeah. if a lot of people actually do it. I can uh, break that down. Yeah. So, so Derby, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so Derby has played, um, it is a scoring game, but there is no ball. There is no object that serves the purpose of a ball. It's all about position. Okay. And um, so each team, each game is split into two 30-minute halves. And okay. then those halves are split into two-minute-long jams. And after a two-minute jam, there is a 30-second break, and then the next jam starts. And so between each jam, you can field all new skaters if you want. Typically, you'll keep your best in there for several jams and then pull them when they're tired. But so during a jam, to start a jam, each team has five players on the track. Four of them are blockers, Mm -hmm. and one of them is a skater called the jammer. And so each team has a jammer and the jammers are the ones that they have a cover on their helmet with a big star on each side of it. So everyone knows which one they are. Everybody knows who the jammer is because the jammer is essentially the human ball. (laughs) Okay. They are the point scorer. So what they want to do is get through the other, the blockers and all the blockers for both teams have to stay together in what is called the pack. And that's, that's a rule. They have to, they have to stay within... Yes. Sort of reaching distance or? Yeah. you ha- The pack has to be within 10 feet of each other. You can't go farther than that out. Uh, there are a lot of referees involved. Um, and right. right. It seems so very busy. Seven it, referees. Yes. It is extremely busy. Plus, there are non-skating officials who are keeping track of penalties, points, uh, time, like all of that. Okay. And uh, so it is chaos. When you're first watching it, you're like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> Right. Because <laughs> it just looks a mess. But so the pack is all jumbled up together. Yep. And the the jammers start behind the pack and they approach the pack. They have to fight their way through. And whichever one gets through first is designated lead jammer. Okay. And they can end the jam at any point by tapping their hips with both hands. And oh, weird. That is okay. str- strategic if you... Because... After you escape the pack the first time, you lap the pack, and then yep. you come back through again. And each jammer scores a point for every opposing player they pass. After they've lapped. After they've After gotten the through once, and they go around. They get through once, they get around, then then you could make four points if you get past all four of them. Yeah, and if you get through and get all four points, that's a grand slam, and they give you five. And okay, then, and because- then you tap your hips, and you're like, we're done. I did it. 
you can if you want to, or you can continue to try to rack up points. If the other team's jammer is stuck in the pack behind your blockers and you can lap and tear through and pick up extra points, you're going to do that. Um, If you... Or if you both get out and you get out just a little bit ahead of that other jammer, you're going to c- come in, try to pick up one or two points. You're looking at the pack position. Are the opposing players at the back of the pack or are my players at the back of the pack? If the opposing players are at the back, I'm going to go in. I'm going to try to pick up one or two points, call it off real quick before she has an opportunity to score. So it is is it okay? E- extremely strategic and requires an insane amount of thinking from everybody on the track. It really does. I yeah. never... who. First of all, whoever I talked to last time, I don't think I understood the game. <laughs> so, uh, so is it better to have your dudes in the your your pack in the in the back of the pack or their pack in the back of the pack? It depends on jammer position. So, if you if your jammer is out first, then yeah, you want to get the other blockers behind you so you can. So your jammer has a little bit more time to get in before their jammer gets in. If you have their jammer trapped, that's all you're yeah. focused on is keeping that jammer trapped and yeah. letting your jammer do whatever she's got to do to rack up as many points do. as possible. Yeah. There's also like, because you can't destroy the pack, there are subtle ways you can try to make it move faster or slower, depending on whatever advantage that would provide. So okay. if you, if the other if the other jammer, say your jammer has gone to the penalty box, I can talk about penalties in a minute, but if your jammer's off the track, you want that pack moving as fast as possible so she can't she can't lap it as fast. So right. that's another thing to consider. Um, and yeah, so there are penalties, a yeah, whole what are the penalties? mess of them. <laughs> I, I bet if you're all just jammed together all the time, elbowing yeah. each other like a crazy people. Yeah. Okay. So so the typical thing that people think about when they think of roller derby, they're thinking largely, I've found, of 1970s banked track, sort yeah. of like pro wrestling style roller derby where people are elbowing in the face and throwing people over railings, etc. Right. Um, which was very fun, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> not safe and not a true, <laughs> not no. a true sport. Really, because, you know, <laughs> right. That's just a rumble is yeah. what that is on skates. Yeah. yeah, that's that's more entertainment in the way of, you know, in the style of pro wrestling. You know, it's very fun to watch. Not exactly strategic, not. Um, and so roller derby as it is now is not only uh, it's played on a flat track. So it is a oh. flat surface um, okay. for one. And there are a lot of penalties governing the way you can make contact with another player. So okay. you cannot use your elbows. You have to hit with your shoulders, your hips, or you can slow them down with your back. Um, you can't trip. You can't. Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. You can't hit anybody from behind. You can't. Okay. You can't hit them in the head. So that feels honorable. You yeah. can't hit them from behind. <laughs> You're just like, and I'm not going to clock you in your brain box. Yes. And so, but you could do. You could hip. You could hit, you could hip check people. Yes, uh, the hip check hip. is is king in roller derby or queen. I suppose I should uh, say. Quite honestly, I mean, is there even male roller derby? There is. There is. Okay. Um, yeah. So a lot of the referees are men. 
Um, and then they okay. were like, well, we want to play too. And so they started yeah. making their own leagues. So they, yeah, there are men's roller okay. derby leagues all over the country as well. They have a governing body that I cannot remember the name of. But Is it MIFTA? Could it be MIFTA? <laughs> it should be MIFTA. Um, yeah, it's, I can't remember I can't remember the name of it, but okay. yeah, you, so you can go watch men's roller derby, but why? Why? <laughs> Girls, it's a girl thing. We did it. Yeah. It's we us. Did, it's we ours. Did it. It's ours. And yeah. uh, so, okay. So you can, so you can shoulder like sort of block or sh- you could hit somebody with your shoulder. Yes. Um, and you can, and you could hip check them. There's child rearing hips yeah. uh, <laughs> as opposed to child bearing hips. Yeah. And you could just sort of like just like hula hoop the heck out of them. Yeah. And um, so that the penalties are when you essentially use your hands and your elbows and your head and you hit people's heads and you, and you sort of trip them or, or, or get, because people got to fall down, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of it and there's a lot of, I mean, most of the contact penalties are accidental. Um, okay. You're skating, you're a little out of control, your arms go flailing and you elbow somebody, or you're coming into the back of the pack faster. Like, that's a big thing with jammers is hitting people from behind. You get what's called a back block penalty because you're coming okay. in the pack fast. And if you come in too fast, you hit someone from behind and knock them down, you're going to go. Because you're trying to yeah. squeeze between, right? You're yeah. trying to squeeze and yeah. you're like, well, I just hit your back. Yeah. Because uh, you moved. And yeah. there is, um, so as far as strategy goes, um, the blockers are also are very focused on the other team's jammer and stopping them, but also they need to be thinking offensively. Okay, I see my jammers coming. Is there a way that I can hit these other blockers and get them out of the way, especially out of the way of the inside of the track? That's the shortest distance and allow oh, right. my, my jammer to go through. And that was my favorite position to play was as a largely offensive blocker. Um, okay. So I was... I was keeping an eye on my jammer, finding out what she needed, giving her... Sometimes I would literally push her through the pack (laughs) (laughs) or, um, you know, hit somebody or do... Can you do that? Can you touch your jammer? Yes, you can. You can... um, So contact penalties um, cannot be given against uh, the same team. Okay. um, Because, you know... You're not going to do that on purpose. So like right, if, if you right. do, yeah, so uh, often, you know, not often, but sometimes you, you just grab her hips and push her through and or then she would grab onto me. I lead in. I make a couple hits. She's grabbing onto my hips, onto my shoulder, onto my arm. And I'm yeah. I'm flinging her through or around. Oh, just or sort of like crack the whip a little bit. Yeah. I've yeah. seen that kind of um, where you're you're all sort of linked yeah. The like uh, is is that a a strategy where there's a crack the whip kind of angle? It is. There so it's not super practical um because you telegraph <laughs> it. You're telegraph like if you're setting up for a whip like this is like if your arms way out here and your jammer's coming up people are like, "Oh, I'm going to I need to hit her." <laughs> like, clearly they're planning something. But when you pull it off, which is rare, Man, it feels amazing because you just fling I... them, and it's a fun thing to do in like warm ups. Is that you were right. warming up and right. we're just like right, kind of screwed around and just sort of loosening up everything. Yeah, what? Yeah, what? When you practice with your with your blockers mm-hmm. and your jammer, how do you? Is there is there sort of like football where, or baseball rather where there's signals? Um, sometimes like hand uh, signals and stuff. there are like play names. 
Okay, um, where you can yell out, Sylvia! Yeah. And then everybody ducks and you jump over them. Yeah. <laughs> that'd be, I don't know why Sylvia was involved. <laughs> but yes. Yeah, similar similar things. Um, typically having to do with, um, with how you line up at the beginning of the pack. And if you're going to try to all line up on the outside and push all the other blockers to the inside, allowing your jammer to go to the outside... That okay. kind of thing. Um, there's communication on like subtle levels of like I'm looking back at my jam or, um, you know, you can raise your hand in the middle of a jam and be like, I'm looking at you, jammer. Come to my side and right. I will make or, a hole or just oh, sort of like calling the ball. Yeah, a little like, bit. I got this one. Yeah. And or if I have a, I have an idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or there are strategies for if. um so when you get a penalty, you go to the penalty box for 30 seconds. It's similar to hockey. So okay. then your, your team is skating down. So in those situations, if there are fewer blockers on the track, you may try to do different things. Um, they have uh, we had um, we had plays that involved one skater turning around and holding on to another blocker from the front while that blocker had a hold of the jammer with her butt. And the one in the front is just helping slow down and direct. And yeah, so we had things like that. So you can you can literally hold people as long yeah. as you're not tackling them or hurting them. Yeah, you it, are you are physically touching other blockers. Oh, yeah. You'll um, normally. So booty blocking, as it's called, is the best way to do it. anything that works with your center of gravity is the way yeah. to do it. So like shoulder hits feel great when you land them. But they don't yeah. put you in a good position because then you're way over here and right. and then you're off off of your balance and it's just not as successful of a hit. So what you want to yep. do is um, put your center of gravity in front of that person so you can control them. So if you can slide around in front of them, put your butt in their lap and then hit your brakes <laughs> and then they try to move, you feel where they're trying to move and you move with them and you're slowing them down and you move. And that's what makes a blocker just like a brick wall that is so frustrating and will break your spirit. If a blocker has you that good, <laughs> like you're just like, I want to quit. <laughs> right. Right. How do I get out away from this person yeah. and regroup? How do you get away from that person? And um, you, you can try to like slow down and then juke around, which some people are yep. great at. You can look to your blockers for help. You say, okay. come help. And then that blocker comes over and hits that person from the side and frees you if, if okay. they can do that. So there yep. are different ways. Um, it's all right. So you have to be aware of your fellow four teammates and then the other five people that are on the, and you're all in a space of about 10 feet. Yes. As, yeah. as you wander around a track. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, you're like, literally it's a, it's a, it's a rugby scrum for an hour. Yeah. And so when are the two minute things? What are the two minutes? So, so those again? are jams. And okay. you, so the jam starts, you skate for two minutes and then the jam ends, they'll whistle it dead. And then it's a reset just, and so everybody goes back to their bench. You put out your next, your next set of skaters. Some of those are the same as the previous jam, depending on what your team strategy is. Um, and then we start again and there's okay. another jam. Yeah. Okay. So the question is, is the game starts, it's a mm -hmm. 30 minute half. Uh, everybody starts going around. Mm -hmm. When does the first jam start? Oh, you're, how, or how do you do it? 
So how does it? You come out, you get warmed up, you do your introductions. They talk. They announce your names. You go out. You do all that fun stuff. Um, getting booed by the other team when you're the away team. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. It feels great. <laughs> um, I got. I was in New Orleans. Um, playing and I got booed by an Elvis impersonator and it's maybe the best thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> uh, it made me so happy. Felt real. Felt real. Yeah. yeah. New Orleans. Excellent. That was the greatest city. They had a parade to begin it and then mm-hmm. it was so fun. But so they you do all the introductions, you do the anthem, all that, and then everybody's at their bench and then it's like, all right, we're going to start. So send out your first set of skaters there are two lines on the track. One is called the pivot line. That's where the pack lines up. And then one's called the jammer line. It's 20 feet behind. And that's where mm-hmm. the jammers line up. And then uh, they whistle to start and everybody goes. And then the jam's on for two minutes or until the lead jammer calls it off. With, okay. So it could be shorter. Right. So it'll 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 kill it. It'll end itself at two. Correct. But the lead jammer can uh, call it and just go strategically. I think I've made enough points. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or you've made it up. No, that's, you can't because you're not the lead jammer. Well, there um, are sometimes if you get lead jammer and then you get caught up in the pack and you're too busy trying to fight out, you don't realize the other jammer scoring. Usually that means your coach is not yelling at you loud enough, but right. it has happened, you know. Right. You- so you have seven, do you have seven referees around the track and how many, are there coach- coaches on skates for your team? So the the coaches there are benches just outside the 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 track. the track. So it's like a bench and then the penalty box in the middle and then the other bench on the other side, very similar to hockey. And then right. um except th- it's not contained. And um and then the coaches, there are two coaches for e- there can be two coaches for each team and sometimes they're on skates, most of the time they're not. It just is mm-hmm. not necessary <laughs> and is right. an added danger that they're going to get <laughs> yes. their legs taken yes. out from under them. One of our skate, one of our coaches always wore skates, but, um, and then, so they're on the edge there and they're, they're doing, and then there's a captain, a team, um, you have oh, a big team captain. Seat, yeah, yep. team captain that can be involved in like referee disputes and things like that. And, um, and then there are, um, there are inside the track, uh, referees and oh, non-skating offic- officials. Okay. Yeah. There are, I believe three, three in the middle. And then four on the outside. Okay. And and are the coaches on the outside or are they the coaches on the are on the outside? They're also on the outside. Yeah. Occasionally sort of running to keep up with the. No, are they sort of doing? Or they, they just stay, stay where stay they are. The track is not that big, so okay. you can hear your coach from the other side. Okay. Um, and plus, you're moving. They'll be back around. <laughs> Yeah, there's no use. In... I'll see you in a second. Get yeah. it together. <laughs> when you get back here, you are in a lot of trouble. You are in so much trouble when you get back here in about yeah. 12 seconds. Yeah. And yeah, uh, that's hilarious. Uh, okay. So how big is the track? Is there standard? Is there a standard size? There or? is There is a standard size. It's uh, it's laid out. I don't have the dimensions on me off the top of my head. Um, right. Because when it started, I think it was whatever track was available, right? Yeah. And there is there are like, depending on your, your um, practice space, sometimes people have to practice in, usually it's like warehouses. And if you get yep. a smaller warehouse and you've got to make your track just a little bit smaller, just so it can fit in your practice space. But then on um, anything that is a sanctioned bout for your yeah. A team, 
for your A-team playing, for WIFTA, for rankings, those are all very well-regulated. Track size, um, usually so they will lay down, even though it's a flat track on a flat surface, typically concrete, or they have this like plastic stuff that clips together that's called skate floor. Um, like that, Hot Wheels. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. <laughs> I, I was never a big fan of that, but mm-hmm. um, they, you have to lay a rope down around the the inside and outside of the track and then you tape over it like wrestling mat tape is what so when you skate over it you can feel it so that you know where the where the track ends where the boundary is yeah like the width of the track is also standardized yes yeah and and the and the the size of the circle is it a circle or an oval it's an oval yeah okay so that's standardized in the a games right yeah yes and and um and so when you practice you lay you're essentially you're you're laying rope and duct taping just so that people know the width the they're they're playing in the right dimensions they're practicing yeah. in the right dimensions yeah because once you skate sense. so much it's like and you're like i know this is the boundaries here the boundaries here yeah you have and, a sense of yeah yeah and you can leave the track like if you get hit and you you go out of the track that's not the end of the world it's how you re-enter if you cut in front of somebody that you were originally behind that's called cutting the track that's a penalty okay um, yeah so there are penalties governing that kind of thing it, there are the penalties for contact there are penalties for maintaining the pack there are penalties for um your track position using it um and uh and then penalties for um being a jerk Sure, sure. <laughs> There's that one. Like, just well. is there is there a lot of sort of uh, shit talk? Um, it depends on the team. Some teams are real shit talky, and some yeah. are not. There was a, so uh, the team in Fort Wayne. Um, okay, I got into it with somebody before, and like I'm not like a shit talker. Bunch of white supremacists, man. Fucking <laughs> it Fort was, Wayne. It was and... intense. Like she pulled mm-hmm. my hair. I was like, "Are we in third grade? What is happening?" Right. I, I left the track. I've never been that mad ever. And then yeah. we go to the after party because we always like Derby's a like, lifestyle. We would all pack up. Ev- there's always an after party. You ho- the team that came to play against you, you invite them to the after party. You feed them. You all get drunk together. It's a great time. Ninety yep. percent of the time, she comes up to me at the after party and says, "That was the most fun I've ever had in a game." And I was like, "I wanted to murder you." Right. Right. <laughs> why are you? Why do you play like that? Why are you and, like this? Right, right. Is that so? I mean, I think that it, I think it, from what I know of sort of the, and this is, I, it's very arbitrary and probably a sweeping statement, but it feels like it started out as a way to, to really just, let's just fuck people up. Let's just <laughs> wrestle. Yeah. Let's just, it's like women, aggressive, but a team sport. So you got your pack and then, I mean, literally a pack. Yeah. And then, Let's go fight this other pack. And this is it's and and then it's turned into a real sport. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. You're 100 percent on track with that. because So the actual origin of the sport itself, um, there was a guy named Lee Seltzer who in the 1940s used to run some things and he invented it um, more as like a long distance race. And then it evolved and eventually it was a contact thing. They would travel around and put on bouts. And then in the. In the 50s, he turned it over to his son, Jerry Seltzer, and Jerry <laughs> um, kind of realized that any- My ad, my ad, my ad, I'm about to do an ad. Rangers, this is an ad for HelloFresh. 
I love HelloFresh. I genuinely do. Uh, HelloFresh is farm fresh. Ha <laughs> ha. Pre-proportioned ingredients, seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You don't have to go to the grocery store. You don't have to think about dinner. You can just count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's true. That's true about the affordable if you eat out a lot and you get stuff delivered a lot because it's literally, I can't even, we all want to save money, obviously, this time of year, all year. But did you know that HelloFresh helps you save money all year round? HelloFresh is cheaper than grocery shopping and 25% cheaper than takeout. 25% cheaper than takeout. And that's if the groceries are delivered to you. I mean, nobody has any, it's just hard to plan a meal. And I would say this about HelloFresh is that they're always more interesting than the stuff that I cook. I cook okay, but they introduce me to new food. They have recipes that they've, uh, let's see. First of all, of course, stress-free and uh, and delicious. They're all literally delicious. They have 35 weekly recipes. They have options if you're looking uh, for calorie smart or carb smart or if you're, I've seen a vegetarian, obviously, and all the things. And if you don't want to go to the grocery store at all, you can just do HelloFresh Market, which is you add staples and sweets to your weekly order, and they arrive at your doorstep along with your meals. It's amazing. Now, one of my favorite, one of my favorite recipes right now is the white bean soup. Came a couple of months ago, but I really liked it because I forget about bean soup. And it was super simple. It was delicious. It's winter, even in Los Angeles, it is winter. People like a soup. And I make I make the dinner. And what's easy is that Andy and I, we could just sort of split it up, put it together. It's ready very quickly. Less than a half an hour is what they say. I would say less than 20 minutes for a lot of it because everything's pre-proportioned and everything. So I like the food and you should go to HelloFresh and get some of the food. Get in on it. You get a deal with the Dork Forest uh, Ranger code. You got to live by a code, you guys. So to get America's number one meal kit, by the way, you just go to HelloFresh.com slash Dork65 and use that code Dork65 for 65% off your order plus free shipping. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Dork65 and use code Dork65 for 65% off your order plus free shipping. And now let us get back into the show. Anytime there was any incidental contact between people, that is what the crowds loved. And so he was like, we're going in this direction then. Right. And so that's so how the it turned game changed into- entirely. Yeah. At first it wasn't really a game. It was like a marathon. And then it's just a race. Yeah. And then it turned into it turned into this game and he played up the 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 violence of it, the campiness, the names, the The short shorts, shorts, the leather helmets, the like, you know, everything you think of what was being broadcast on TV in the 70s. That yeah. that was where that kind of came from. And he was just following he was following what the crowds were were interested right. in. 
He just wanted to sell tickets. Yeah. And then he got to a point where he was like, I feel like if we legitimize this and make it an actual sport, then that will be a good direction as well. His tip off was that people were betting on it. And he's like, if people are betting on it, then they (laughs) are into the idea of it being a real sport. Right. Then then there's a winner and a loser and somebody cares. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So it died out in the 70s. Um, It went away for a long time. And then in the year 2000, um, some people in Austin, Texas, where else? (laughs) Decided. Keeping it weird. Keeping it weird. Decided to revive Derby. And they were the first modern league, the Austin League. And they they kind of created the flat track because a banked track is prohibitively expensive. Um, Yeah. And so yeah, yeah, it's not as cheap. No, it's yeah. Hard. And and these are just we're talking forty women. Yeah, who are Throwing like we want to right, we right we all have maybe two hundred dollars we can throw <laughs> towards this. How yeah. about that? And uh, yeah, yeah. It, it was very DIY. It was okay. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna do this, and and they really embraced the camp of it all. The the names, the fishnets, the elaborate yeah. intros the the alter egos which is so fun and it gets a lot of people in the in the door it was part of yeah. what got me in the door a former theater kid i was like hell yeah <laughs> right so um so yeah so let's talk about sort of the um so it it expanded from there but when you come in you get to uh, who came up with like the rules for like so that the person with the star is the jammer. The captain has a big C on their thing. I, I think that that kind of came out of the... So it started yeah, with Austin and then other cities came in. Like uh, San Diego was one of the first ones. LA, of course. And so they... Um, They're like, they, we got to make a game game out of yeah, this. Yeah, let's make this a game. And so they, they started to create... Um, generally adopted rules. And then when WIFTA came on board, WIFTA is not messing around. They have rule edits every year. You can read them. They have many specific requirements in order to be a sanctioned game. Like they, they are what makes it a sport. Um, They're the ones that are like, if this is going to be a worldwide thing, we have to have a standard set of rules. If Okay. That's what yeah, we want to so do. People love to make a committee. Like once <laughs> they they're do. just like, and, and a bunch of other people are like, please don't include me in your committee. Can I just roller skate and play a game? Yeah. And you're like, yes, yes, you can. But and that is, now there's rules. That's, that's kind of the, the friction in a lot of leagues is the people who show up to, to find a community to do yeah. something DIY, to do something yeah. campy and fun. And then the people who were like, I want to. I want this team to be competitive. I want this team to win games. I want to go to WIFTA championships because WIFTA has right. regional and world championship tournaments, and um, that was one kind of reckoning that my league had to come to in 2011. We sat down. We called it our "Come to Jesus" meeting, where mm-hmm. we said, "Are we here for fun or are we here to be to win?" And right. and we voted largely that we wanted to win. So we we upped our we upped our physical training. We yep. worked on more strategies. We kind of we focused that way. And and that's not to say that that is a hundred percent the right way to do it. Like no no, it's if you're there to be, have fun, have fun. 
Right. It's it's literally just a group conscience, right? Like you exactly. just sort of what does what do you want to do? Now, when you join, do you get to make up your name? Yeah. So when I, when I joined, there was a database, a national database of um, like you had to register your name. <laughs> sure. You don't want to double up. Yeah. You got. Yeah. You got to. It you're was like, I am deal. Squirrel Girl. Well, Squirrel Girl already lives. <laughs> exactly. And, all right. Yeah. Yeah. And so you had to. But then it just it got bogged down. And the person who was running the database was like at a backlog. So you would be halfway through a season before you found out your name was rejected. And you're like, now I got to get all my stuff reprinted. Like, this is dumb. Right. And so people just stopped registering their names a couple years into playing. It was like, I'm just if I find another one, then. Okay. We'll we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll survive. Arm wrestle. There'll be some sort of. <laughs> yeah. It'll be fine. We'll, yeah. we'll flip a coin. It'll be. It'll all work out. Yeah. Um. So what was your name? Okay. So, uh, I am an indecisive person. Let me just say that. <laughs> that's a weird name, indecisive. <laughs> it was. That should have just been it. <laughs> but so at the time, the day I found out that I was getting moved up to the league, which is when you need to present your name, I was obsessed with the show Scrubs. <laughs> and so okay. the the character on there is Dr. Elliot Reed. And so I was Dr. Elliot Bleed. Right. Because there's usually a yeah, there's a yeah. usually a blood a or twist. a violent twist. Yeah. yeah. So uh then people were just <laughs> calling me Doc Bleed for a long time. Sure. And then uh, eventually I was like, I want to change my name because as someone told me, nobody even watches that show anymore. <laughs> <laughs> So then I was Doc Doc Noose for a while, like Duck Duck Goose. Oh, there you go. That was for about a season. And then I was like, I just want it my, to be my real name. And that was a thing that a lot of people were doing. And okay. um, whole leagues, like the Denver Roller Derby League um, in Denver, they all started going by their real names. And I was like, well, for one, by the last- way, I'm talking with Shanda Sung. <laughs> And uh, it is S-H-A-N-D-A-S-U-N-G. And that is her Instagram. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. Well, so at, the, you do? at the time, I was not yet married. And my maiden last name was Rude, R-U-D-E. And oh, that's awesome. That's like, kind of perfect. Like, why? Why didn't I just do that from the jump? Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> right. It was it was destined. But Right. Yeah. So, so you were Shanda rude. rude? Yeah, I was Shanda oh. Rude. And then people mm-hmm. would just call. It was just Rude on the back of my jersey. And... Just junior high. Just, just exactly. flashes of junior high for your entire <laughs> adult life. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's awesome. How about uniforms? Now, what were the what the uniforms look like? So uh, my league was called the Bleeding Heartland Roller Derby. And we had our A team was called the Flatliners. And our okay. B team was the Code Blue Assassins. Okay. And our um and our newbie program was called the Disorderlies, which I thought was very cute. <laughs> um, so I skated with the with the Flatliners for um three of my five years, I believe. Okay, maybe four, mm-hmm. three and a half. Mm-hmm. And um, our colors were maroon and orange, which is just a wild combination. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of it's a lot of reddish orange. You might going be on. able to yeah. see actually. Here, I have one of our old posters. So oh, there you go. Yeah, maroon and orange. Okay. And so we had, uh, yeah, we we went through a few different uniforms. So um, it was a standard top, our uniform top, and then you could do whatever you wanted on the bottom. We also got some knee-high socks that said BHRG down the side that were maroon and orange. 
But then some people, when I first started, it was still very campy. People were wearing giant fluffy tutus, a lot of makeup. Um, Mm -hmm. I wore fishnets and a pair of (laughs) underwear that said, say, ah, on the butt because of the doctor (laughs) element. (laughs) And, uh. And then as we got a little more <laughs> athletically competitive, people sort of dropped that. Like, I wore fishnets for most of it, but it was just like orange fishnets. Trying to take you seriously. We're trying to, <laughs> we're, 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 we're trying to win a game here. Yeah. So, anyway. It was also just a lot of stuff to put on. Right. <laughs> just, right. Because right? you can't just wear so are, fishnets. are they sleeveless or are they sleeved t-shirts? Um, we uh, had, the shirts. The we tops. had sleeveless ones. Okay. But, so like a tank top. Yeah, yeah. Other teams would have sleeves. Um, There were some teams that would play in these, like, dresses. um, (laughs) Kind of mini, like, mini dresses. Sure. Uh, Yeah. And, um, like, the Philly, the Philadelphia League, I remember they had, like, kind of skirts. Their their main Uh skater was Teflon Donna, and uh, she was fantastic. Could you get a hold of her? Could you get a hold of her? Probably <laughs> no, she not. Was Probably not. She was slippery. Slippery, <laughs> slippery lady. And uh, what now? Okay, so now that there's professional leagues, and they're charging people to come into this thing. Oh yeah. Because I'm sure when you first started, it cost you to play. Uh, both. So we're putting on events that we're charging tickets to, but then also there were monthly dues. Um, right. I think by the time I stopped playing, they were up to seventy dollars a month. Wow. And and okay. that was on the low end because we didn't have a lot of skaters and we were fortunate enough to have a warehouse that let us rent from them at a steal, like an unbelievably low number. They were for just this like, come and, come and do it. We're not we're, they weren't it wasn't a warehouse full of things um, at the time. There was some stuff when we moved in. And of course, it was filthy. And you want that floor extremely clean. So we would have to mop this whole warehouse every couple months because oh, if you've got a bunch of about that. Oh, yeah. If you've got a bunch of dirt on the floor, it'll get on your wheels and then you're sliding everywhere. You have no grip. Yeah. It's yeah, it's no good. You want to we you'd clean your wheels all the time. They're also different. Like, of course, there's equipment preferences. Skates are very technical. You have what kind of truck do you want? What angle do you have it at? What hardness of your wheels? Do you want s- soft wheels that are stickier, hard wheels that are that are slicker? Um, that depends on the type of floor you have, the type of floor. Some skaters had multiple sets of wheels that they would change out every bout, depending on where we were. Oh, right. And depending on what the floor was made out of. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. Lot, and I mean, that stuff's all expensive. My skates were $600. Wow. And uh, and then a set of wheels is 50 60 And then you've got your pads okay. that you need to replace regularly so they are still safe. You're so they ne- still are still squishy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes, I mean, I was pretty broke at the time, so I remember I would, I had knee pads that were beat to hell, and I just put volleyball pads under my knee pads. Right, well. <laughs> not effective. <You're> st- <laughs> no? <laughs> but it was cheaper. Would they fall out or, oh yeah, they, cheaper. Yeah, they slid around, and they were just, uh, they tore up the back of my knees. It was a mess. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, people are putting their whole self into this financially, and then time-wise, because it is at its core, a grassroots DIY situation. Every league is an LLC that is owned, operated by the skaters. So all of our skaters had to have a job. So we had multiple committees, one for media, one for events, one for athletics, one for sponsorship, like 
all of these different okay. things. And you wow. had to either run a committee or be on a committee or sometimes be on two committees. If we didn't have a lot of skaters, you had to do extra jobs. Um, right. And that's and the, that's every week. That's I mean, yeah. you were practicing at least once a week. Three times and a week you, when we were when you're on the team. It's three okay. times a week. Yeah. Two three hour times practices. a week. And then these committee meetings, were they monthly or were they weekly or it depended on the time of year, you know, if we're in and season. The need. Yeah, yeah, then it could be more. I mean, endless emails, a server filled with wow. multiple chats. Like, it takes over your life. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And, but you love it. Yeah. But you love every right. minute of it. These are your best are friends. You st- right. These are your friends. This is the cult that uh, <laughs> saves your life, right? Absolutely. It's yeah. one of those. I'm. It's like, it's like stand up. It's like improv. It's like music yeah. um you're like sure it's a cult but i was alone <laughs> exactly <laughs> so now yeah. i have someone i can at least call and cry at or at least call and would go out for coffee or a beer right yeah so yeah, yeah. are you still in touch are you still friends with oh, a lot for of sure. those people yeah, yeah. i i mean i have them the, they have since moved some of them have moved all over the country and we're on group chats we do zoom game nights we do you know like i have lifelong friends that i made playing this sport and it's um so there's a quote that everybody repeats um from a San Diego roller derby skater one of the one of the OGs one of the originals named yeah. Bonnie Destroyer and she says, we we break our bodies to save our souls, and somehow that makes perfect sense. And it does. Yeah. You show up. So at the point that I joined Derby, I was in my I w- was taking an extra year of college. All of my friends had moved away. My brother was in Afghanistan. I was just I was lost. I had lost all my friends. I hadn't played a sport in years, and I missed it. And I joined yeah. this thing, and I let it swallow me, and it felt amazing. And yeah. It gave me it gave me confidence. It gave me it gave me a self esteem. Yep. Yeah. And it gave it got it got you moving. It got yeah. you doing some health, health. Yeah. It gave me these I, amazing experiences. I mean, we went to we went to New Orleans and skated. We went to St. Louis, uh, New York City, uh, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, like all over the place to go. And then you would go, and these other leagues are of your mind they're in the same cult and they welcome you like sisters they're like yes let's get on this track let's beat the hell out of each other and then (laughs) let's go drink and and then you can stay at my house like right that happens a lot because there's no money in this oh no no to this day that there's like it's not (laughs) like there's it's not even able right i mean there's not even like 20 grand a year to be a professional roller derby so how did you did you get out because of the physicality of it um i first i got out because i got pregnant (laughs) oh there you go that'll that'll hinder it so that throws a wrench in the plans so yeah i i got pregnant i had my son and the whole time i was pregnant i was of course like i'm i still need to be around at that time i was a skater coach so i was i was coaching my team so i kept coaching um, off skates <laughs> and then, right, right. and then, um, we came up to needing some announcers for some of our home bouts and, oh. and the announcers were like, would you like to do this? And I said, yeah, that sounds fun. And I started doing it and it was so much fun. You're calling the game. It was so nice. Our other announce, our announcers, they knew the game, but they weren't yeah. skaters. And okay. so I was able to be like, here's some strategy that I'm seeing play out. 
Yeah. Um, and a little color commentary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was so Perfect. fun. And so I did that the whole time I was pregnant. And then um, as soon as I had my son, the our team had met its goal of being competitive enough to make a regional um, a regional tournament. And right. so I had three months to get back in fighting shape. And so I did. And like 145 days after I had my son, I went and skated in regional in a regional tournament. That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, and I skated for one more year after that. And then I was like, this this commitment is becoming too much. You know, I have a family now. I can't do three days a week. And so I stopped skating. And a lot of my friends had moved away, all the yep. ones that I started with. And it was just a new league and my time was done. And right, right, because so, it is kind of a, it's a, kind of a, a, a younger, it skews younger just because of the <laughs> physical, you know, expenditure, right? Yeah, and the yeah. and the monetary and the time and the everything, mm-hmm. you know, like you're okay with this being your whole life for a little while, but eventually yeah. you want to do other things. You need to do yes. other things, and it doesn't mean that you don't celebrate it. Doesn't yeah. mean that you're not psyched about it. That's yeah. awesome. And so I, I announced for another couple seasons, and I really enjoyed that. And um, about four or five months after I stopped skating, I took a stand-up class. And then comedy became my cult, and now here I am. There you are. Exactly. Uh, Shanda Sung, by the way. S-H-A-N-D-A-S-U-N-G. It'll be in the notes. And uh, here's my question. So do you? So how long has it been since you played when you stopped playing? Like so, how old's your son? Uh, my son is nine. So okay. it's been about eight years since I skated competitively. Yeah. I I still have it's my seven skates. years. Yeah, still got them. I go. Do to you the rink. ever go see? Do you, yeah. Oh, do you ever just you just go to the rink and skate for fun? I do that. Um, some of my old teammates uh got into skate park stuff. So my my whole family, my kid, my daughter, my four year old okay. daughter brings her big wheel, and we go to the skate park and do the ramps, and it's hilarious super uh, fun so fun and um now the so the league that i was a part of bleeding heartland roller derby they no longer exist um okay shortly after i stopped announcing it just it fizzled out there was some internal turmoil a bunch of skaters left because bloomington is a college town it's a it's transient it, by nature people leave yes yes and, yeah and it just it it just went away and it, and that happened shortly before the pandemic and so even if oh, it hadn't okay. already dissolved yeah. it, there was no way it was going to survive the pandemic so yep the yep. league is gone which is sad there are some new people trying to start up a new league and okay. um so i've been keeping an eye on them they are having another bout i think soon i'll probably go watch it I don't. I can't throw myself all the way in anymore. But I'll go right. to some practice and have some you fun. You're gonna go to some practice and watch some games and yeah, watch yeah. them. Watch them play. Yeah. That's so neat. Yeah. The the yeah lockdown and the and the pandemic had to throw a giant wrench. Oh yeah. Into because all you're doing is breathing on each other. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and trying to pack so, people in into a, sporting, you know a sporting event. Yep. So yeah, most leagues um, stopped playing for at least a year some of them the there are two leagues in indianapolis and some of my former teammates play for them now Mm -hmm. um they started bouting again last year and um so wifta completely put their rankings on hold and their championships and everything on hold but then last year they started having kind of um sponsored support for other events that were happening 
And then I'm thinking this year it seems like they might get back to sanctioning bouts again and then starting okay. the ranking process and get back to doing championships and stuff. I would go and watch. I went and watched champs. Um, it's a whole weekend of derby, the best derby you'll see. It's so much fun. The parties are amazing. I went I went several years just to watch, and it was amazing. So uh, when That's that so comes cool. back, you should check it out. It's uh, it's a good time. Derby Derby's great, and it did... It did open up um, more like streaming options. So in this okay. last year, they've started like WIFTA would host these things on their streaming platform. Um, right. Prior to the pandemic, we got on ESPN3, baby. <laughs> That's and and right. Because I know that people love it. Like, yeah. I don't know where, like if you're practicing in warehouses, mm. where are you uh, competing? Like, where's the track? Is there... So we had, um, for a while, we would do it at a, like, a rec center. Um, we would set up bleachers. It's, like, where they do, like, intramural b- basketball and stuff. And okay. that was where we would bout. And then and then we went to the city has a ice skating rink. And we were like, you're not using it in the summer when the ice is all melted. Can we use it for bouts? Mm-hmm. So we did that for a while. Um, okay. And then, so Bloomington was limited as far as venues. Now, the bigger cities, like, they have smaller, small arenas. Like, Cincinnati has a really awesome, smaller size arena that they would skate in that was so fun. Some small, some cities had a skate, uh, a roller skating rink. Just like. Which is huge. Which, I mean, that's the thing is, like, if they don't have a roller skating rink, you talk about do it yourself. You got to set up bleachers. Yeah. You have to create a track. Yeah. You have to. It's all, yeah. You have, right. You have to set up a popcorn stand. <laughs> I mean, there's like, I mean, yeah. every, you, you got to run merch. You got to do the merch. Yeah. How's yeah. the merch? Yeah. 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 Sometimes, uh, sometimes it's like, I got to work the merch booth during the B team game and then suit up right after and go skate. Like, right, right. Ver- oh very my gosh. DIY. I'm taking tickets at the door in my gear before I go and on I'm, skate or go out and right. skate, you know? Yeah. How many people would come to the, Come to the games. I think the most we ever had was like 600. Okay. Um, I think typically we were around 200, which is okay. not bad. Respectable. For, yeah. That's Bloomington, super. we've got IU. We have obscure sports out the wazoo here for you. <laughs> we're we're yeah, competing yeah. a lot for, um, for sports entertainment. But we yep. came up against that competition. And the, the issue with a lot of leagues is like, Everybody will will come in the door for the novelty of it the first time. Right. How do you get them to come back and again right. and again and become invested? And that's difficult to do when the sport is unknown to a lot of people, when they are watching this chaos and they have no idea what's going on. Right. They don't know how it plays. They don't know how it scores. Yeah. And you don't know how yeah. to cheer, when to cheer, who to cheer right. for, what's happening. Right. What did I just see? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. That, that's a hurdle that that, ha- that they've struggled with a lot of leagues. And sometimes they'll have a video before that's like, this is how it's played. Or they'll have a program. Shrewd. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, um, and bigger cities have an easier time. I mean, as with anything, they have a bigger market to draw from. Indianapolis, yep. um, one of their teams used to play in um in a coliseum on the indiana state fairgrounds and they would draw in um a couple thousand people and oh, wow. so and um new york city they have a league called gotham city which they were dominant in the country for several years and 
Um, they have multiple home teams and like they have a pretty big fan base. So it'll okay. be interesting to see how these smaller leagues are coming back and what adjustments they're going to make if they're going okay. to try to do more streaming stuff or what how they kind of how they kind of survive in the wake right, of right. this thing that put everything on hold. Right, right. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, uh you'll be happy to know that we're at an hour. Oh my Shanda. <laughs> Is that all? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was like I can't believe like cuz there's you know, I'm sure there's anecdotal stuff and there's all kinds of stuff that, that that's available. But what I think that we really got out of this episode is how to, how to score and how to yeah. play, which I think that when people go, they would love to know, right? Yeah. Because you do go for the novelty. And if you could go and go, okay, she just made three points. I see how that happened, right? Yeah. I remember when I first learned how soccer worked. It was yeah. comparable. It was comparable. And the thing that, that the argument I make to a lot of people who are like, oh, is that, a, is that really a sport? I'm going to go watch my football or whatever. Is yeah. that how many sports do you know where they're playing offense and defense at the exact same time? Because right. there are basically two balls at play. And each yeah. team is capable of scoring at every second. It's not that in basketball, okay, we have the ball, now we're on defense. Now we're, it's like, I got to do both of this at the exact same time. So the amount so of strategy true. is just, is high level. And once you know what you're looking at, which is admittedly yep. a big hurdle, it's very <laughs> impressive. <laughs> but that's every sport. I mean, right. the thing is, is how many times have I been bored at baseball going, what? what? <laughs> There's nobody, nobody's hit a ball yeah. in 20 minutes. Some people are psyched about this game. <laughs> and uh, you're like, all right, all right. Anyway, Shanda, yeah. thank you so much for doing thank the you. show. Thank you. All right, everybody. Find Shanda Sung. Uh, watch the stand-up. Support the IG. Uh, see, the, see, the, see the magic that is Shanda Sung. And Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show?